Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. We help you build a thriving creative practice. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. You can stay up to date with all things Creative Pep Talk by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's get into today's episode. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site. Anyway, go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you, where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. Okay, I've been super antsy to share this episode with you because this conversation, like, I I think about it all the time since we had it. It's with illustrator Brian Ray. He is someone who, there are very, very few illustrators that I admire as much as Brian Ray. I feel like we share a similar philosophy uh, in terms of illustration being not just drawing or making pictures, but writing with pictures. Brian had a new book out called Avoid This, and it's hilarious. It's a grown-up book, just, just so you know, but it's full of illustrations. And the title's Avoid This, and that caption could work on every single picture that's in this book. You know, one picture is a guy going up on a ski lift, sat next to the Grim Reaper. And so that's a, something you want to avoid. There's uh, there's one of my favorite ones is this guy on the subway, and he's got such long arm hair that it's dangling down in front of somebody's face. There's another guy with a ski mask jumping on a bouncy castle with the uh, with a chainsaw. And uh, it's just, I just devoured it the minute I bought it. I was lucky enough to be in LA in 2019 when he had a show and we stepped, my wife and I stumbled upon it and just marveled at some gorgeous, huge pieces of work. Uh, he ha- Brian has had a uh, illustrated a column in the New York Times for something like a decade called Modern Love. So if you get the New York Times on Sunday, you're going to see that every week. Uh, I, I was like a, a kid in a candy shop listening to all of Brian's perspective and how he pushes himself and he, how he just even recently is having these massive breakthroughs and getting more excited about his practice. Um, I think you are going to absolutely adore this chat and I think it's going to be a, a B12 energy shot into your creative practice. If you don't know Brian, go follow him on Instagram at free 
Brian Ray, and it's spelled R-E-A. Uh, you will not regret it. Uh, I can't wait to have Brian back on the show um, because I barely got through the questions that I wanted to ask him. All right, without further ado, here's Brian Ray. You know, you start writing in your your you know your journal or your sketchbook, like some of the things that are flipping you out and, and making you like nervous on a daily basis. And after like two or three months, you're like, shit, I've got some yeah. issues here. Like, what's going? What's causing this? You know, that's interesting. Yeah, I've I've felt that before. As you're start, like I'll, sometimes I'll do an episode. Some of uh, about half of our episodes are monologues still, and uh, mm-hmm. sometimes I'll go I'll think about a subject and I'll think I'm going to talk about this and or this mental health thing or this thing yeah. I'm worried about or working through and you start putting it out and you start working it out in the work and you're like whoa that's yeah. a, there's a lot more going on here than I even realized maybe this is a therapy session and right. not a monologue I, I, that's happened to me a bunch of times and it's cool I mean you know it's funny I did I did a kind of marathon session of listening to but I've I've come across your podcast before yeah. and then I, I just didn't realize the scope of all the ones you've done so it was cool to kind of just sit through a bunch of them and just all these people yeah, that you've had cool. on, they're amazing and and I think that the thing that's cool and this is the thing that I think you're you're kind of touching upon is this ability to kind of mine yourself and mine your own work mm-hmm. for not only ideas but also just kind of like um help in a way you know like yeah. if you're you know spending time within your like as an illustrator we're just responding to someone else's brief, someone else's mm. story, someone else's, and that's our job, right? Like that's part of, like it's a big part of what we do, probably 90% yeah. of what we do. But every once in a while, you gotta, you gotta be, you gotta flip that, that a bit and be a bit more inward about like, okay, where, you know, take stock of what you're, where you're at in your career, take stock of your business and evaluate your own work and, and, and quite honestly, evaluate yourself Yeah. to really, Absolutely. you know, measure like, am I, am I happy doing like, like, is this, something that I'm still enjoying. Is this, you know, do I need to, you know, go in a new direction? Do I like the city I'm living in? It's all those things kind of play into it. And I think as illustrators, we don't do that enough, right? I, I, I yeah. you know what I mean? So definitely, I, you know, uh, it's, it's interesting because when I started the podcast, it was, very, this was like six years ago, I already had a, uh, practice and I'd yeah. already worked with a bu- you know bunch of great clients and bought a house with illustration all that stuff. Sure, uh, yeah. but I honestly I've said multiple times that I I really don't feel like I got good as an illustrator until after I did the podcast because there was just there's something about there's something about kind of mining excavating yourself from a different medium. Yeah, and now now it just kind of there's a back and forth play to it that I really mm-hmm. like and uh, I think that. I did f- start to put a lot more of myself into the work after that. Yeah, yeah. And it's also, you know, and I think that I talked to my students about this all the time. Um, you know, we're at a different place in our careers because we've, you know, we've kind of gone through, we've done the hard work, the 10,000 yeah. hours, whatever you might call it. So we can kind of, we can put more of ourselves into our work. And I think in the beginning, perhaps people do that less or they're apprehensive about doing that because they're so... yeah focused on responding to things coming in or what's going on around them. When you're in art school, you're responding to what, you know, Jimmy, you know, next to you is doing. He's got that sweet Mm -hmm. style and you're like, oh man, (laughs) Jimmy's getting all this, you know, he's getting all this praise. I got to do what Jimmy's doing, you know, but Jimmy's kind of screwed, right? So, you know, (laughs) because Jimmy just got style. He doesn't have any ideas or he doesn't have Mm -hmm. his own story. And and I think once you realize that is a big part of the success in having a long-term career, once you figure that little, you know, that yeah. little thing and you flip that switch, then it becomes, it becomes a very different practice. I mean, I, you know, and like, you know, you said, oh, I figured it out after a while. I'm like, I feel like I just figured it out within like the last five years. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, and yeah. where I've actually been properly putting myself more into the work in a way that I had never done before, you know? And uh, that part has been super exciting it's kind of recharged my battery with doing the work that i'm doing and 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 just stop you know stop giving a shit in a way about like like am i doing fine art am i doing illustration am i writing books am i you know what i'm an artist and i'm doing all this stuff and yes people can take it or leave it and people can follow me or not follow i mean at this point i'm just excited about producing 
you know, yeah. in a way. And part of that might just be the pandemic, you know, just like the, the isolation <laughs> of lockdown. I'm just thrilled to be working, you know, like it's kind of a little bit of that. But, <laughs> but I think, but truthfully, I think it has been a little bit of like self-evaluation, seeing where I'm at with the work. And then just, you know, and then just, just saying to myself, are there, what stories do I want to put out to the world? You know, what am, what am I, what do I want to leave behind, you know, in a way? You know, speaking of like getting caught up on the label or, you know, who am I, what am I, a fine artist or whatever it was. Yeah. yeah. After two years, maybe two or three years after doing the show, it started to take off in ways that my illustration career hadn't. Mm, uh, you know, there were all these kinds of uh conversations that I was having with myself of like, what the heck, who am I? What am I doing? Like, how, how did this yeah. happen? This was a, an unexpected turn in a way. And um, one of the things that really helped me get grounded again and, and just be like, I don't give a shit what label you call it, whatever it is, is getting to an essence of, I heard um, a public speaker. So with the podcast, the whole thing has been about analogies, basically. Like yeah. that that's kind of my stories, analogies, metaphors. That's my my jam. And uh I heard some like a TED talk or something, and the person was like, I'm gonna tell you a story, uh, just to kind of give you an idea of what I'm talking about. So here's my illustration. And I was like, it's like they're the same thing, man. Yeah. Like I'm doing, I'm doing the same thing in different mediums, and it doesn't matter. And and at that point, and I still have to kind of remind myself that because I juggle a lot of different things, but like the core essence of what I'm doing is it's, it's about excavating self. It's about tapping into passion, the things that I'm obsessed with, uh, yeah. and, uh, and letting that flow through different mediums. Sometimes it's two mediums at the same time of like, Oh, I, that idea needs to be manifest in words and pictures. Sometimes, yeah. uh, it's, Sometimes it's just one, some you know, whatever. So, sure. but I know exactly what you're what you're describing there. Yeah, and I think a part of that is you know some of that you know self reflection, self evaluation, criticism, right? Being your being right. a really tough yeah. critic on yourself and a tough critic on what you're trying to put out in the world. Like you know, I, I have this. Um, I have a friend, um, uh, Patrick, who had this quote, and I'm probably butchering this, and maybe he found found this somewhere else, but. He says, you learn, to, you, you learn to draw, you learn to see, and then you learn to choose. Mm. Oh, yeah. And, and like, you know, in the beginning, it's like, uh, you know, you're just trying to figure it out. Like, whether you're in high school, as a kid, you're trying to draw super realistically, you're just trying to figure out how to draw. And, and part of that is, like, yeah. learning how to observe. So that slips into that learning to see part, mm -hmm. right? And you're trying to, ob you're observing what other people are doing, you're taking stock of your own work, you're trying to see how you might be able to apply this to a career or, or what works well and doesn't work well. Then you learn to choose, right? And that's the part of the, that's the step that I feel like I'm just beginning to really start to, like you're trying all these different things, you're seeing what fits, what doesn't fit, then you learn to choose, and that's the editing, right? And yeah. you know, my studio, I always describe it as like this, you know, ten arm starfish. I'm like, you know, I'm I'm doing all these, you know, animation, you know, painting, drawing, you know, books, authoring, writing, all these different things. And you know, you can't do all these things at an equal level. You just get burnt out. And I obviously have a family, and you know, time is precious, right? So. You try, you know, so I, yeah. I, some of the, some of the arms of the starfish got to get cut off in order to keep the thing moving <laughs> forward. But the key is yeah. for me, at least, and the joy of it is, is to have a lot of arms, right. And, and to, you know, have something in everything and try all those things out, you know, and then make some choices, choose what things you like or don't like, or, or quite honestly, maybe you don't make any choices. Maybe they just slip into the back, you know, the background a bit without you even having to choose. One of the things you uh, said that really caught my attention was about the being your own critic. And uh, there's been an idea. I've been like trying to get better about not making such, I don't know, exhaustive kind of statements and thinking more in terms of questions because most of the things I talk about, that's really what they sure. are. They're a concept. It's not – it's a postmodern kind of philosophical approach of like, I don't know if this is true. It's just think about this. What does that do for you? Does that do anything? And um, one of the ones I've been thinking about is people that lose sight of their kind of inner compass to make yeah. those choices. I wonder if that comes from uh, mistaking it as their inner critic and silencing mm. that inner critic because that inner critic is yeah. your taste and it's the thing that helps you navigate. And I, 
I was thinking about, you know, I think that there's a time when you're creating that you do want to turn while you're, while you're creating, you might want to turn yeah. it down a little bit while you're getting lost in it. But before when you're setting parameters and then after when you're picking your next choices or yeah. learning from it, listening to that, let that, I think you need yeah. to hear it. I think you need, that's your secret power is the, the critic that helps you make oh, good sure. choices. Yeah. And, and I think I've seen great, you know, and I always kind of put it through, funnel this through the lens of teaching and students that I've had in the past and students I currently have, um, cause teaching such a big part of what I do. And, you know, I, you know, it's, it's almost like there are times when you just need to hit the throttle and just kind of you know, like run over yeah. the critic, right? You know, that guy, that guy just needs to be run over. Yes. Right? And then there are other times you really, really do need to, you know, do some self-reflection, some self-evaluation and you can be really tough on yourself, you know? And I, and I think, um, I'm always looking for like what that, what that equation is, um, why certain students succeed and why other students don't. I, I, I team teach with this great illustrator named Paul Rogers and we, we, we teach at art center, uh, here in um, in Pasadena, and and we're always trying to figure out what that is. What's that equation of why someone succeeds? And you know, and we can get into yeah. luck and all these other things. Just ran, but but the truth is, it's like sure. a big part of it is just being super tough on yourself in the beginning and knowing that you got to work through some stuff. You got to put in the time. All those other things that you know, those are big parts of it too. But you have to have an analytical eye on what you're doing in the beginning. Yeah. And that's part of that is an analytical eye on what you're producing, but also an analytical eye on what, you know, what exists out there in the world in terms of our industry. And that's, again, that's, we're just talking about succeeding or failing as an, as an illustrator, just starting out. But I think it's different, right. you know, when, when you get further on in your career, you know, I think that there, I think that there is a, there is a way to succeed in, in the career with style. Right, you could you could easily just kind of follow styles sure. and that yeah. whole thing. Yeah. But then I think in terms of long term career, I think the 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 artists that I think succeed and succeed on a really really great level um, uh, in terms of illustrators are the ones that have a really strong visual voice. And I'm not ta that's not to do with style at all. That's actually listening to. It's like suspending your inner critic and and listening to like what's my personal story? Like what are the weirdest like yeah. charming, strange stories that I have within myself or the things that I've experienced within my life. And how do I convey those yeah. in my work? You know, and that's, and that's coming from, you know, for me, you know, it's all about emotional storytelling. That's kind of like the, the bread and butter for what I do. But I look at my students' work and, you know, I'll have a student that's, you know, grew up in a very specific part of the world or in a very spe specific part of the United States. And I'll ask them straight up, like, why are you not telling stories about who you are and where you grew up in your environment. Well, well, it's not that interesting. And I'm like, well, it's not that interesting mm -hmm. to you, but I got to tell you, there's like, that's a whole reservoir of work that you're not even touching upon, you know? And, and so, and we, and we, and yeah. I think we actively try to suppress that in the beginning of our careers, but quite honestly, the work that I've been like, even the, the, you know, the avoid this book that like a good chunk of that is stuff that I've observed in my own life, my, my crazy weird family. And like, you know, my family's just kind of a, you know, boring average American family. But but within that, there's yeah. like, you know, an unlimited number of stories to tell. And I think we, you know, we need to listen to that more as illustrators, you know? Yeah, I completely agree. I, and it, uh, man, there's so much good stuff yeah. to pick out there. But I, one of the things that it, it feels like the whole fish and water thing of like getting fish to recognize water is just yeah. impossible. They're just surrounded with it. And I think that is the thing I have been, work same as what you're describing i feel like i'm barely scratching the surface of that good work the right. work you're describing like i feel like i've just sure. started to taste it and i i think every person you meet that starts actually wrestling with that kind of creativity has a certain uh humility and reverence yep. for the work because you're just like i know i've done some good things i know that i know i've yep. started to get there but it's also wrestling and i've been trying to figure out what are the essence things that to me are just the most normal things, but I, but how do you start picking up on, 
oh, but that's special yeah. to somebody else. Like just, yeah, what you're, you know what I mean? Like that perspective that I have is so normal to me. It's a, yeah. it's water as a fish. I'm just like, yeah, I'm in this all day. This is, yeah. this is how I see. Um, and starting to find that kind of awareness of that's, that's honestly, and I want to, there's some specific sure. questions I want to get to with you, but that's why there's two real reasons why when I picked up the book, I'd already, I'd seen some of it on Instagram, uh, but two reasons where I was like, I emailed you five <laughs> seconds after I bought it because I, because you're like, man, you're crazy. <laughs> that's your first question. You're like, what is going on in your head, man? No. <laughs> No, man, I did. I love the book so much. Awesome. I consumed it instantly and I've been looking at it over and over. And, um, the two things that I thought I want to, I want to understand this is I feel like the, for, you're doing that exact thing that we're talking about where you're, you're putting your perception on the page somehow kind of what it feels like you're just, you're just letting it put, you're just flowing it into yeah. the, onto the page. And I feel like I don't, I know I have done that, but there's so much stuff in the way of me doing that, that like it's, I forget how to do it all the time. Um, yeah. So that's the first one. So I'd love to hear you speak to, uh, to that, but there's other stuff too. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think that freedom that you're talking about, that just like free flow thing, I, I, you know, full disclosure that it was never set out to be a book right so the and because right. of that i could free flow it. it it started out as a very simple drawing exercise that i was doing in the morning and each morning i wake up i draw two or three drawings and i'd post them on instagram and and really the effort there was simply to work out I felt like I had hit a ceiling a little bit with the kinds of stories that i was telling and i was looking for mm. I was I was doing some searching and I've always found that you know all of my work starts with uh, you know writing and and drawing right all all of the work that I do and in mm -hmm. ideas and everything and and I can and I try to draw myself out of you know those those hiccups or where I feel like I've stalled or I've become comfortable and that kind of thing and if I go and I immerse myself in 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 any kind of a drawing exercise I can work through that and so that was what this was and it was a way to figure out other methods of telling stories, other methods of of exploring observation or or even perhaps humor in some ways and and kind of stretch and ply what I do uh, into these other areas. And as I started and I, and they were just posted underneath this, you know this this hashtag avoid this. and people started mm -hmm. really responding to it. And, and after, you know, I would do them like 30 days on, 30 days off, 30 days on, 30 days off. And I, and I did this for a while without really kind of thinking long, you know, down the road, what this could turn into. So, you know, that's very different than, as you know, any other book project where you actually, you know, you're working, you're storyboarding the whole thing out. You're really developing an outline, you know, you're figuring it out. This is, this is essentially yeah. a straight up picture book. You know, it's an art book with an introduction, right? Yeah. And so it has that yeah. freedom because of that. But I think within that, you know, because I'm working without having the the safety net of a clock, you know, I say a safety net, but like, you know, it's also like, you know, like a little hook on you too, like a client or a brief or anything. Right, I yeah. was free to kind of produce what I wanted to produce and then, you know, curate at, afterward. And, um, and I think that that's a very different exercise than I think someone who's working within, you know, within an illustrate, you know, within a brief or, or responding to a client's, you know, needs. So how the avoid this title, maybe you could, I'll probably preface it in the intro to this episode and kind of explain what the book is, but sure. um, can you explain the concept of that? And then also did that come before this exercise? Was that part of the constraint or was that something that you saw in the work later? Yeah, I had uh, yeah, someone else had asked me about that recently and uh, it, it actually came about from a an illustration that I did for Nicholas Blackman when he was still working um as an art director for the Book Review of mm -hmm. the New York Times. And I had done an illustration, I think it was something that was related. All I know it was a guy who had like fallen over on a bar stool. And um and it was something related to a book about bars, I'm guessing, I'm not sure, but <laughs> um but in the upper left-hand corner of that piece, I had just written "avoid this" as a kind of just deadpan response <laughs> yeah. to you know some shit you should avoid. Yeah. And and it just it just stuck with me after a while, and I started drawing more of those 
in a sketchbook, just more of these little single panel episodes, no writing, no text, no, just, you know, just underneath that as a kind of theme. And I'm super big on lists and doing word-based pieces and all that. And, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm obsessive about, you know, keeping them, but this just became a real, you know, just a really a drawing exercise. And it started there. And, and, um, you know, a few, a few years later, I had been approached by, um, the New York times magazine to possibly do a series. And I pitched this as an idea and I think we did one off and it was mm. underneath the you know, same kind of, uh, same kind of title. And it didn't really get any traction. It kind of started and ended there. And I was like, oh, this is a drag. But then, you know, Instagram pops up on the scene and you're like, oh, well, this is a good yeah. format to kind of, you know, stretch this out and see what you can do with it. You know, it's a kind of like, you know, in, in many ways, Instagram's a great, like, um, you know, it's like a, a Petri dish. It's like a testing lab for yeah. ideas in a way. And it's kind of cool if you can use it that way. Yeah, I call it writing on stage like comics do in yeah. the clubs. Like sure. that's Instagram for me. Yeah. Okay. So avoid this. Do you think that you naturally collect this kind of material, like yes. this subject? How, yeah, can you talk sure. about that? Like what what is it about you that is, a, you know, cataloging this stuff? Yeah, and, and I've been doing it for a long time. I mean, yeah. even like, you know, it, it's it's weird. I had this um, this uh, experience recently where, I, you know, my parents are, you know, basically have uh, thrown, you know, they're, they're trying to get me to officially out of the house that I've been out of for, you know, over, you know, 20 years, right. Yeah. Or 30 years. And, but they, they are like, you've got all this art in the house, you got to get rid of it. And I, so my nephew who just started at art school this fall, he was going through all this old artwork and a lot of it was from like high school. Mm. And so I, I was going down this, you know, memory lane and, and I could see the roots of some of this stuff there, which is totally, <laughs> it's a complete trip, right? That's amazing. And there was a whole series of drawings I did back in high school that were based on fear and anxiety and all this. And I think it, you know, if I was to kind of try to put it all, encapsulate it all under one thing, I think it's really just about observing, right? And there's, you know, I, I, was, I used to carry around a camera a lot more than I do these days. And I used to try to capture it in a camera. I used to write about it. And a lot of that stuff made it into, you know, Death Wins a Goldfish book that I did a few years back. And, and now within, you know, within this, you know, avoid this, it's like, it's a place where I can kind of dump, mm -hmm. you know, all these, you know, crazy things that I've either observed within other people or things that I've observed within myself. Because quite honestly, it's, you know, it's not an advice column. It's not like a recommendation, <laughs> yeah. hey, you got to behave this way or don't behave this way. It's more like, we're all kind of in this together. Yeah. It's kind of, it's a little, you know, it's a little crazy, but it's, uh, you know, and, and um, some of these experiences are totally surreal, but it's also kind of beautiful too. in you know, in the kind of innocent charm of it, you know, if, if we just, if, and, and I think for a lot of illustrators that, you know, the best, the best tool that you have as an illustrator is to observe, right? Sit back and watch and then reflect and respond to that. And, and I was looking for, I was looking for another way of kind of representing those observations. And this became a kind of repository for all that stuff. As I started writing more and, and cataloging things and, and needing ideas for all the different things that I do, whether it's books or, or this or, or whatever, I started to actively develop the muscle of observation, but I, st I still, I would love to get better at that. How, what is it? How do you catalog them? How do you, have you learned? I, I, one of the things I've experienced is some about like kind of having a metal detector for my taste of things mm. of like, oh, that's, that's the kind of thing that does it for me. What is the, yeah. what does that look like for you in terms of cataloging and, and, and noticing what you're observing? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I have like, I have multiple lists in multiple places, right. Uh -huh. And they're all kind of different. I mean, we all keep lists, right. Sure. You know, whether it's emails, you know, Spotify, well, all of it is, is, is all being cataloged in many different ways. I have, um, lately I've been doing a lot more writing, writing, you know, short stories, brief stories, kids book ideas, film ideas, all these things. And, um, and, you know, obviously with the lockdown, I have, you know, more time to do that and explore that. And I keep those all in a, in a journal. And, but I also keep, you know, catalogs of, of color combinations, 
not specifically pieces of art or or illustrations, but oh, I like those that color combination. It's just like a little snapshot of it, and those color references become things that you know I go back to and I you know kind of sift through them when I'm I'm considering colors and um, and observational stuff. It really is less about drawing it immediately and maybe more about listing it. And I, I've kind of worked out a, it's like a, I call it like a visual shorthand, right? Mm. For list making now. And it could be like an, you know, like a night with friends or a, a dinner party or a specific day. And I'll make a list, but it won't be long form sentences. It'll just be individual words. And, and the list is, you know, nonsense to anyone who reads it, uh -huh. but I have, you know, journals and sketchbooks that are just full of these and I'll have the date and have the information. I can read it and I fully understand exactly. Like, yeah. it, you know, it's just like, I can go back to it and I'm like, that's amazing. But if I were to, you know, print it anywhere, people wouldn't have any sense of what, <laughs> you know. Well, I wonder also, like, are some of your big scale paintings kind of that? Very much so. Yeah. They come from that for sure. Yeah, yeah. right. Like a list of, you know, and you get, you do get a sense of what it's about, but it's not yeah. as specific maybe as it is to you. Yeah. Yeah. And those painting, I mean, the words in those paintings, they, you know, they function very differently than the illustration work does. Sure. Um, and, and, you know, the words there are really critical to becoming, they're, they're like the bricks in the, in the wall, like they're the building blocks for those pieces being constructed. It's the littlest story with the biggest impact, right? Yes. And I always look at it like I know I know the level of of obsession that I put into each and every piece, but the pieces oftentimes look quite simple. But I I know what I'm putting into it when I kind of reveal that and pull back the curtain on it. I did this recently with a with a project um, I did for uh, the new uh, the Week in Review cover. I shared sketches, and there was mm -hmm. like twenty one sketches I think I did for the cover. Yeah, and people were like, "What the hell, man!" Like, <laughs> you know, like really, like that, and and that's just on the sketching, just on the ideas, and but then the little details and the the labor that you put into every square inch of an illustration, like considering all these little things, even though the drawings I do are obviously super casual, um, there's a there's a a sweet spot that I'm looking for between the drawings feeling confident, the drawings feeling are like that they're articulating something specifically that they're sidestepping a kind of cartoon style in some way, not to, you know, downgrade that, you know, yeah. cause I love uh, cartoons. Um, but I'm looking for this other arena and I don't, I can't, I've never been able to really kind of put it into terms, but I know that I obsess over all the little marks and details and I'll, I'll draw the same drawing, like, you know, cause they're quite quick to draw, obviously. But once I land on what I'm going to draw, I'll draw it probably, you know, five, six, ten times. Yeah. You know, I have scraps of paper that have the same drawing on it, and, and um, I do know, the my same. Studio. That, yeah. My process is exactly the same with that. Like, and, yeah. And I've actually done little live videos where I'm like, early on, at, when I started that started being a part of my process, I would do. I did a live video, and I was like, I think I've lost it, but I can tell you that the thing I ended up with, I'm really happy with it. And I'm yeah. glad that it. Yeah. I'm glad I did it, but I do feel crazy. And it's also, I think, also too, it's the wrestling match that you go through. Like I, I played sports as a kid, and 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 um, and so com competing with you know against other people has always kind of been, a, but like battling with my work is very much a part. You know, it's still to this day. Yeah. I know it's going to be a total fist fight with my work. And I'll go through every, like every other artist, I'll go through every single emotion, you know, yeah. they'll be screaming, crying, tears, joy, happiness. And like, by the end, you're just kind of hoping for you that you're content. But if you do a piece where you kind of nail it, you're, you get that high for like yeah. days on end. You're like, damn, that thing just, it felt so good. And it's not like the piece is good or bad. You just feel good about it. And I it's still- satisfying. That's that like it's like a drug, right? And I still to this day get that when I produce something that feels special, right? And I but try. The thing is, but the tr the truth of the, you know, honestly, Andy, not to cut you off, but the thing that I think is critical is that in the beginning, when I when I first started out as an illustrator or as an artist, I didn't know that I would run through all those emotions, and I can like now I know I'm gonna get there, so I don't doubt the process, and I don't ever doubt myself now. 
But in the beginning, of course, you know, you're kind of going through all those and you don't know where it's going to go. But I've got, you know, like 20 years of experience doing it now <laughs> that I'm comfortable with the, you know, that that wild path that I'm going to take to produce something. Yes, absolutely. That uh, there's two things that have helped me embrace the wrestling. And it's mm. one is what you said of once you've done it enough times, you know that you can do it. It doesn't happen yeah. every time, but you know that you're the more stuff you create, it's going to happen. Uh, yeah. And I've kind of, I've lowered my expectations of like, I'll probably do one of those 12 times a year and that'll be a lot. And I'll feel really, and I'll, I'll make a ton of other shit in that year. Sure. Yeah. About 12 times I'll win the wrestling match. So that, that's yeah. the, so that gives you the faith, the confidence to go through the wrestling. But the second thing is I was talking to my therapist about, uh, which I, you know, I'm, I don't know, I'm pretty open about that, but, sure. um, <laughs> but, uh, I was talking to her about my work and and saying that you know I probably my struggle with workaholism is is because it's such a it's so fun for me I just like that it's such a fun activity and she's yeah. like every time I hear you talk about work you make it sound really stressful it doesn't sound like fun and I was like man what the hell I started thinking about that and worrying about it and thinking like am I doing the wrong thing with my life like well, you know all that <laughs> and then I realized that play for me just like you were talking about. Uh, growing up doing sports play to me it's like I'm a professional wrestler it's like the mm. struggle the wrestling the pain the all that stuff that is what's fun about it to me yeah. yeah yeah and so having shifting that perspective of when I'm stressed in the middle of trying to get an idea instead of seeing it like oh this is stress see it as like oh, I'm wrestling and I I'm a wrestler for a living I love yeah. this this is why I yeah. do it yeah. yeah and it's and and there are people that you know you know, we're so fortunate in that we paint and draw for a living and we have oh, yeah. to really, really remind, like as an illustrator who has had a career doing this, I have to remind myself of that all the time that like we are really fortunate because there's so many other people that would absolutely kill to be in the position that we're in. And, and to get to that place takes so much of that wrestling. It takes so much time, so, so much commitment. And, and some of it is just, just dumb luck to get yeah. to, you know, to, to succeed. And I think the thing that you can't teach is that burning desire to produce or draw or paint or tell stories, right? Yeah, I can't teach someone a, an internal fire to do something, right? Mm. And that I think, like, when I'm sitting at the dinner table, you know, I'm very present with my family, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, that's yeah. a funny idea, you know, or <laughs> yeah. that that's going to be yeah. a cool drawing I do yeah. at like 1230 tonight when the whole family's asleep and I wake up and, you know, grab a cup of coffee and start drawing at the kitchen table. So yeah. that that doesn't go away. And the wrestling and all the other stuff that goes goes along with that, yeah, you have to be really comfortable, you know, with the battle. And mm -hmm. and for some people, it's very fluid. There are there are many illustrators who have a fantastic sure. career yeah. producing. You know, someone will call them and say, "I need three oranges, a unicorn, and a crying puppy dog." Go, and they're yeah. like very comfortable doing that drawing. For me, yeah. I'm not that illustrator. I don't get that call. I get you know, I get a call. I get the call when they don't know what they want to do, or they're yeah. looking for something maybe a bit more unexpected, or something that has its roots in emotional storytelling. So I have to kind of labor through the ideas and really kind of work that out and then labor through the drawing. So it's kind of two-part process, I think, for me. Um, but, yeah. it's, you know, everyone's different. And, and all of them are equally cool and valuable uh, for the world to, you know, to experience and see. I agree. And I, I think the part of illustration, this is the second thing I wanted to ask you about with the book, uh, uh, the part of illustration that really does it for me and why I do it. Because I think I'm less of a sensory person and I'm very caught up in concepts and ideas and, uh, you know, mm. the philosophy and then the, the picture, the actual, I like drawing, but yeah. I think the idea part is the most important part to me. It's the f most fun for me. Um, but the, the second reason I picked up your book or, or that I emailed you right away was that it's it's how I think of illustration, which is writing with pictures. And, mm. and I, and there's, it's so much, there's so much writing in the book. Every, the, you know, it's telling you so many things. And mm. I wonder if, cause you talk about t telling stories. I'm yeah. really obsessed with, uh, the relationship of stories and words. I also really like my favorite illustrations are ones where 
they're playing with this the gap between words and pictures, which yeah, is really 100%. hard to do. Yeah. But I I'm really into that. Um, how do you think about doing a book without words uh, other than the intro, and you're still telling all these stories? I just wonder what mechanically what you've learned about doing that. Yeah, I I think you know this for me, and I say this all the time to my students. Um, you know the best tool it's like the sharpest tool and the hardest tool to use in an illustrator's toolbox is restraint oh yeah right and yeah. and and for me that's that's that sweet spot and that wor that little kind of kernel of space where you as the viewer have to make the connection mm -hmm. between what i've drawn and what that idea is i i'm not going to hold your hand you know yeah. I'm, but you have like the work doesn't work if there's no audience, right? And um, and so that sweet spot is is a place that, you know, I'm looking for ways to convey that story without having to rely on words. If I'm throwing words in there, I'm I'm kind of leaning, I'm leaning a little bit on something that is kind of a default or an easier move, right? Um, and and that's a hard, it's a really really hard thing to get to that place. I I think, you know, I grew up, you know, I was saying I grew up in New England and you know, big Irish Italian family on the East Coast. And, you know, it's like my, my mom had like, you know, seven brothers and sisters and, you mm -hmm. know, and, and they're all storytelling. Like you go to a family party and it's all stories, right? New England's full of great writers and children's book authors. And there's just something in the, you know, the DNA up there, right? And so I have very vivid memories of, of listening to, you know, my uncle Chick tell crazy stories and my dad and everyone. And I couldn't tell the stories the way that they could tell them. So I had to figure out other ways of telling the stories. And I, and I think that I've be only begun to scratch the surface of how to do it with pictures and do it, you know, one, you know, initially as an illustrator, I was doing it one panel at a time. But once I started doing animation and books and, and doing series based work, I started to figure out things like pacing and rhythm and space and, um, you know, story structure and all these other things that started to kind of spill into it. I could, yeah. you know, I could utilize a lot more pictures to tell the story that I was trying to tell. So even though I was being really subtractive in the, you know, the, the individual drawings, I started to kind of add more to the story to kind of flesh it out over a long period. I think it's a kind of subtraction thing. I think mm. maybe that's the mechanic, right? So you draw all these things, you sketch, you, you have an idea, you lay it down on this paper, really you're working it out. Sorry, you know, I didn't mean to cut you off, but yeah, I, I'm I'm getting it. Sorry, yeah. keep going. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's a, no, and it's like it. You know, it's funny because I think that you probably have some of this in your work too, where you're trying to min you're trying to minimize or you're subtracting the unnecessary mm -hmm. to 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 increase the 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 visual volume of whatever that idea is, right? If you subtract all the bullshit and all the other extraneous stuff that like the, the, the scribbly marks and the extraneous, you know, like, you know, like unnecessary things and pattern and textures that we all love to add and you just get down to the core of it, the idea just becomes much louder. Like the mm. volume of the, you know, and you know, within the book, you, you see examples of that where there's nothing in the background. It's just a horizon line, yeah. right? <laughs> and, um, but because of that, Hopefully, you know, it, it, on the good days, the pieces have um, a kind of uh, like a, a richness and a, and, a, and a greater like visual volume or the ideas do as well. I had a, stu I had a student years ago describe my work as um, two lines and a color. <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking That's about, man? Hilarious. It's, That's it's hilarious. you know, it's two colors, right? <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, That's amazing. Um, I love that. Okay. So first of all, restraint is really hard for me. And, yeah. and it's not for all that, of us. For all of us, yeah, right? It's yeah. so hard. There's so many layers to that, you know, uh, the being misunderstood, you know, art feel, you feeling like oh, I need to get people's attention. I need to bash them over the head with this is clever. Look right. at this. Understand yeah. it. Like get yeah. it. Yeah. Um so I, there's all these layers to that, but the thing that you're describing, this is one of the reasons I like working in multiple multiple mediums. Uh, it reminds me of something I've learned. I'm not a comedian, but I do a lot of talks and sure. I tell a lot of stories on stage. That's one of my favorite forms of creativity. And what I have learned about it is 
if you're going to tell a joke or a, it does, it can be a joke or the punchline can be the end of a story, but mm-hmm. both have an emotional component, an, an emotional payoff. Uh, what I've learned is the best way to do it for me is to tell the story in such a way where the audience gets the punchline before, before you say it. it. Yeah. And then you just let it be silent for a minute, just for a second, just be like, let them feel they got it in their head. And it's exactly, it's exactly what you're doing with pictures. It's the same thing of the, the art is completed in the person's head. Yeah. I, you know, and I haven't figured that out. I mean, I, I, I do, you know, a handful of talks each year and, um, and I, I haven't figured that part out. I, as you know, my, my, uh, it's, it's like I can hide behind the drawings in a, in a, like, I've really, really kind of landed on a method of telling those stories, um, in a way that I feel more confident in doing it through drawings. Like mm. I never, I never doubt my drawings, right? I never, I just, it, you know, people talk about like, you know, writer's block or creative block. I just don't believe in it. Like, because, right. you know, I got the, I got the things burning on the inside to draw every single day, every single minute of the day. And I have a head full of ideas I got to get down. So there's never a moment where I'm like, I don't have something to draw. Right. So I never, ever, I never, ever doubt that. The public speaking thing, yeah, that's a whole different thing. But you know, it's a but but when you hear people on stage that do it, it's it's lovely and it's it's beautiful and they can really connect with an audience. And you know, if I feel like I'm doing that with my drawings, then I'm I'm super, you know, that's super. It's, I'm super jazzed and excited yeah. about you know hearing from people that connect with it. It's funny you mentioned the word clever. It's you know that's a like I used to try so hard to be clever, right? And I had a former student, uh, fantastic illustrator, Sally Dang. She did a, uh, one of the American illustration covers recently and, um, just lovely work. And, um, she described it. Um, we did, you know, we did a a talk with her the other, uh, a few weeks ago for my class and she was visiting and, and she said that she tries to avoid doing clever. She wants to do emotion. And I was like, oh yeah, that's that extra you know, and there's nothing yeah. wrong with it. There's no, there's no. nothing because, you know, I've spent, you know, three quarters of my career doing, trying to do clever and, and at least aiming for that. And, but she's aiming for something else. And I was like, we all tell stories differently, don't we? You know, yeah. we all aim for different things. It's not just, it's not always just about producing a beautiful piece or having a nice palette, you know, color palette, or the craft is really compelling or the mark making is really beautiful. It's like, what are you saying in your stories that makes your stories special, right? Yeah. Is it clever? Is it just gut-wrenchingly, you know, um, like um, emotionally beautiful? Is it, is it just like really like sweet and fun? You know, like all that stuff has value out there in the world, yeah. you know? And I, you know, I, uh, I get flack for um, using comedy as a, an example all the time, but it comes from <laughs> the fact that I, well, I'm a huge fan, but yeah, also standups, they're such masters of the craft, those people. Absolutely. And, and I think, uh, what you're talking about reminds me of, I, I, they have such a clear target. They know they're going for laughs. And then yeah. I would tell illustrators, what, what, what's an illustrator going for? And most illustrators are like, I don't know, but yeah. it's not all the same either. But I right. do think you having an understanding of what does success mean for you? What is it? Did it mean clever? Did it mean emotion? What kind mm-hmm. of emotion? You know, great standups, they get very, there's a bullseye. It's not just laughs. It's yeah. this kind of laugh with this kind of feeling. And, you know, yeah. um, you, and that's where you can actually start doing target practice. You can yeah. start, you know, trying to get precise with hitting that. Yeah. And that gets back to that, you know, learning to choose thing too, that I was talking about, because, you know, the drawing part you figured out, right. You know how to draw something at this point in your career. Um, you know, you know what to see, what to look for. And now you're trying to figure out, you're, you're choosing what, what you're trying to elicit from an audience. Right. And I think with the modern love series I, I do every week, you know, I know what I'm trying to do there. Very, like, I know my parameter. I'm trying to match. I'm not trying to match the story. I'm not trying to recreate that story. I'm trying to match the emotional tone of that story. So if that story is lighthearted and humorous, you know, I damn well better make sure I nail that, right? Yeah. Or if it's unbelievably painful and, 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 and like a total tearjerker, I need to make sure that I'm, I'm landing on that place so that I'm, so that I'm doing my job. Right? Yeah, but that's very different than trying to elicit humor or laughs or, 
someone saying, huh, that's pretty good. You know, like <laughs> yeah. when you get that, like that's the best response ever from an audience, right? Sure, you know? yeah. Amazing so. series, by the way. If people aren't familiar with it, they should definitely check that out. Um, I get it every Sunday and I'm I'm always uh, loving it. And it's what, a, what an opportunity. That's such a, uh, it seems like a sandbox just to, you know, every week practice that muscle. Yeah, yeah. In a way, you know, and I think it's it's probably made over the time, over the time that I've worked on, I think it's, God, it's been probably 10 years that I've been working on that series. I, f- I feel wow, like every amazing. week they're going to call me up and say, we're done. Thank you. Right. This has been a good run. <laughs> um, but it's been, it's been really special because it, it has helped. It's helped how I tell my stories. And I think it's probably helped me um, <laughs> probably become a better person too, like a better dad, better husband. You start reading these essays and you're like, oh yeah, uh, that, that's a little too close. You know, that's, yeah. I know that guy. Yeah. That's not good. So I got to, yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> so I get it. I it's get been, that. A spe- uh, been a special series to work on for sure. It's really cool. It's a, it's a great, it's a dream uh, illustration opportunity. And you, you know, that tone and the, the style and the sensibility is just, yeah, it's, uh, it's a great groove. Um, I am like so stoked to have you on the show. I'm a huge fan. Everybody should go get, avoid this. It, it like, it's not only just going to be great for you to consume. As soon as you read it, like I did, you're going to give it to other people and be like, look at this. Look at that page. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I just respect you, man. And, I, and I'm, uh, I hope we get to chat again. Oh, I would love that. This was so much fun. It's the best way to end the week. So thanks, Andy. I appreciate it. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, now that you're all fans of Brian Ray, go follow him on Instagram. He's one of my favorite follows. It's a delight to follow Brian's work. And go to the show notes, creativepeptalk.com slash episode slash 305. And there's a link in there to go get his new book, Avoid This. Highly, highly recommend it. It's a good, like, put on your coffee table. Anybody picks it up, they're like, man, you're so cool. (laughs) I don't know if any of that's true, but I do know that it, that the book is fantastic and I, and I just adore it. And I'm so inspired by Brian's approach to illustration. Um, yeah, go follow him on Instagram, free Brian Ray, R E A. Thanks, Brian. Hope we get to have you on here again real soon. Thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music. Thanks to Sophie Pizza for being my creative support system, all things podcast and otherwise. Thanks to uh, Crying Ryan Appleton. <laughs> I've never seen him cry. I think he's probably seen me cry. Um, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. But Ryan Appleton for... Uh, helping me with the content of this show every week and and helping support me with sponsorship help uh thanks to alex sug for our soundtrack and thanks to jordan aaron for editing the show beautifully we appreciate you and uh yeah thanks to all of you for listening and until we speak again stay pepped up